Check it. Hello, and welcome to the first episode of Kitsplaining, a podcast by me, uh, Julia, who grew up as a pretty hardcore Knight Rider fan. And me, I'm Vicky. I somehow, despite having been born in a perfect time to watch the show as a teenager, have never seen it at all. So the idea is we watch an episode and we'll talk through it. Uh, I'll reminisce about what I remember from the episode, watching the episode back in the, the original airing or, or on VHS or whatever, get Vicky's fresh impressions of somebody who's never seen it before, and we'll see where things go from there. Right. The other thing to know is that uh, Julia is an aficionado of a variety of watch-through podcasts. Um, I'll let you name call any particular ones if you want to, but <laughs> it's not as much my thing. So this whole, not only watching the show, but the whole concept of sort of how we go through this is really new to me. The good news is maybe I'll discover some new things about it. If I'm doing it wrong, please indulge me. That's all right. It's, it's our podcast. We can do it. We can do how we like. It becomes right because I'm doing it. Yeah, pretty much. That's super comforting. Thank you. We have actually just watched the premiere episode of the series, a two-part episode called Night of the Phoenix. And my jaws pretty much just dropped looking at this for the first time in 2017 from technology perspective, cultural perspective. There's a lot to unpack there. I guess let's dive right in. The episode opens on... You know, stock footage of the Vegas Strip. You see a Wayne Newton marquee go by, and then you're inside a casino, and people are doing things that are apparently sketchy because two police officers are talking into uh, covert microphones about what they are doing. And they're talking more or less into their collars, just to be clear. <laughs> yeah. You know, the, the covert mic. Um. And uh, it is, so the, the two cops in question are Michael Long, who is our uh, protagonist of the show, and his partner Muncie. And Muncie's a black guy, talks about how he's been on the force for a while and how uh, Long is the rookie. So obviously, as you would expect from a media property of this era, he dies first. Yeah, and I got really attached to him really quick. Like, I don't know, I clicked with him. Yeah, no, the guy the guy who played Muncie did a, did a really good job with it. And I have to say, except for David Hasselhoff, at this point watching the show, I have no idea who's a main character, who's a one-off, who's going to be there at all. So I'd really, like, let myself get a little attached to this guy in three minutes, you know? Oh, and, and I should point out, Vicky mentioned David Hasselhoff, uh, Michael Long is not currently being played by David Hasselhoff. It's... Some other dude who is lip syncing David Hasselhoff reading the lines, and uh, they don't always entirely line up, which is kind of fun. They got his hair right though. the 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 hair on Michael Long is is pretty close to to Hasselhoff's hair. The the, the Hasselquaff, as it were. Yeah. So uh, apparently, these are the the bad people here. Uh, it's Tanya and uh, I don't know. It's, generic business guy, white dude. I think they said his name was Charles. Conceptually, his name was Charles. Yes, yes. Yeah, exactly. We could look this up, but uh, we already watched the episode. That's enough research. Um, so one of, the, one of the women in fantastic, I mean, all the women have fantastic 80s hair, loads of 80s makeup, everything else. This, this is Yeah, seriously, like the, you know, like the stripes across the cheeks with the blush. That was the one that I was really noticing. 
Yeah, so they're up in the hotel room. They're up in some room in the hotel uh, taking microfilm snaps of uh, what I think are um, microprocessor uh, diagrams. by Muncie first, didn't she? And he's wearing, like, electrician's whites yeah, or whatever. He's, wearing, like, he's dressed distinctly different from everybody else in the casino, and that's kind of important, actually, so. So, uh, Muncie radios to Michael that, you know, this... Apparently, they're, you know, this is happening now. And so, for some reason, I guess Michael's undercover is casino security. Anyway, this is like the first two minutes of, <laughs> of a two-hour show. <laughs> we may have to move along a bit. <laughs> yeah. So, so eventually, uh, Muncie chases them out of the parking lot. Michael follows. Muncie gets shot. And Michael's, you know, does the whole, like, holding his partner in his arms... Trying to say, no, you're going to make it, you're fine, I'm just going to, you know, I'm going to call, you know, I, I forget if he even suggests he's going to call the cops or, or, uh... And I think he just pretty much just says, don't die, I think. Yeah, and then leaves him on the pavement to bleed out. Which is, you know, what you do for a partner of however long they've been together. Uh, and hops in his black Trans Am to chase after them. And he tells Tanya now to stay with his partner. I don't know why, just to stay there. And she's like, nope, I'm in the car. Yeah, that's right. Tanya Tanya goes with Michael because I don't know why. Uh, I mean, I know why plot-wise, but I don't know what the justification was at the time. She just shoved herself in the car was the justification. He wasn't trying to take her. He told her to stay with my buddy who's bleeding out. Yeah. Um, but she obviously needed to come along, so. You know, it ends up they're pulled over at this, uh, like, off the side of the road, um, in the middle of the desert, and the the first woman hands the microfilm to Charles right around the time that Michael pulls up. Anyway, so Michael gets out and, and you know, pulls a gun on them and says, you know, I don't know, hands up or uh, equivalent. Drop your weapon, I have a gun, or yeah. whatever he said. You know. Does he actually identify himself as a cop? No, no not at all. Yeah, yeah, it's, you know, the rookies, they miss that kind of procedure. In fact, I still at this point, having seen this the first time, wasn't particularly sure he was a cop. <laughs> I really wasn't sure what his deal was. Was he a secret agent or a spy or, you know, the whole cop thing wasn't even clear as a, you know, as a viewer at yeah, that point, they, really. They, they, it's funny, like, the, the opening of the series, I guess, of this episode very much feels like it's trying to be like an in-media res kind of thing, except that they don't seem to care about the characters as much as they care about well, you were, you were saying when we were watching it uh, that they seem to care more about having an origin story than actually having the origin story make sense. Yeah, it, this this whole opening part really made very little sense in terms of any sort of motivations for anybody at all. Long story short, yada, 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 Michael gets shot in the face and left for dead. While he's lying in the dirt, bleeding out from, you know, getting shot point blank in the face... A helicopter shows up, and it's this pilot and uh, this old dude dressed like Al from Home Improvement, who's Wilton Knight. They don't make that clear at all. It's no, just they the don't. Yeah. They don't at yeah. all. Um, <laughs> so I don't know who's picking him up or why. Yeah, some, yeah. some old guy in, like, flannels and a, and a whatever uh, hat. Um, I mean, for all I know, this is, like, animal control on the highway. I, I have no idea. I would be very upscale, I guess, for that, but, you know. I mean, I really don't know why they're picking Nevada him up. <laughs> animal control has that kind of budget. Yeah, I don't know. You know? At this I mean, point. They, you know, you gotta have the high end animal control in case you know one of the tigers gets out from 
uh, Siegfried and Roy or something. And again, you know, talking about the period in other shows I did watch, for all I know, this guy is the $6 million man. For all I know, this body is worth a lot, right? <laughs> you know, so I have no idea. <laughs> Cut to, there's an exterior shot of... I, I think it, yeah, I think it's an Ivy League university. I'm really unclear on exactly which place it is. But. Yeah, I mean, I don't know which, which Ivy League university is in California. No, well, I didn't know this was California. <laughs> well, I knew it was Vegas, I guess. Unless they flew him across the country, I didn't know how far they flew him. Yeah, so they're on this campus with like old Ivy buildings. And there's little blips going across, um, you know, what looked like to me an oscilloscope and like. Uh, a seismograph, or apparently tracking his his vital signs. Or maybe an etch a sketch. I don't, I'm not even clear what that stuff was. <laughs> Nothing. They spare no expense um, to, to to bring this man back from dead. And uh, Doctor Exposition uh, explains that uh, he has a metal plate in his skull, uh, presumably for military surgery, uh, that deflected the bullet back out through his face, which is how he didn't die, but apparently it destroyed his face. Also, you know, this means that that Michael is a is a Vietnam vet. I don't think this actually comes up at any point during the series. I'm still trying to figure out the physics of this bullet because if this uh, plate, it's gonna be fairly shallow to like be the thing, so it's gonna hit. How is it gonna not bounce back out? Unless I guess it, maybe it hit him, bounced out, hit the car, and then went back to his face. He wasn't facing the car. No, so. So how did it bounce to his face? It's got to be shallow near the front of his skull. I, I don't understand the physics of this. It's, 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 I, mean, did, yeah, I don't I think we had different theory. physics in the 80s, right? Uh, I don't know. I mean, there was, you know, when, with that much coke involved, who knows what's going on? All right. But anyhow, OK, so this th- we take this as part of the canon that this happened. Yeah. Right. OK. He's been in a coma or just otherwise out for at least four days. I think it was actually four days. I think they're talking about. Um, sure. Cause that's enough time to completely stitch somebody's face together from nothing to a, have it look fully healed with no scars and B look like David Hasselhoff. Right. And of course they have no idea how it's going. He just like wrapped up, like a mummy, and then it's like, you know, a reveal. Apparently the face that Michael Knight now has looks like Wilton Knight, the old man who's apparently funding all this thing, when he was younger. Apparently, like, Wilton Knight is some sort of Liberace kind of, you know, incredibly rich recluse who wants to make his protege look exactly like Yeah, he's kind of like, you know, Liberace meets Elon Musk or something. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Yeah, so I just I love the how they drop these bits that in a modern show would actually be brought up again, like the fact that you know that he's a Vietnam vet, the fact that he's you know made to look like young Wilton Long, uh, Wilton Long, Wilton Knight, but you know it's just like oh, yeah okay yeah that just happened in Handwave Handwave because you know this is still the origin story end of things. Right, and of course, you know, Julia's spoiling me just a little bit. I don't know if these don't come up anymore again, but, yeah, you know, oops. but I'm unsurprised. <laughs> yeah, I don't know that they had too much of a uh, a through line for this series. There's a, a tiny bit of one that we eventually get to. So it turns out that uh, Wilton Knight has been trying to go after the same people that Michael Long was, was pursuing, I don't know that it's ever really explained why. <laughs> maybe they stole something from the Knight Foundation. Um, maybe 
he's, I don't know, maybe he's he was invested in whatever company they hit before their current target and lost a bunch of money in the stock market. Maybe they're just the bad people. I mean, I think you're like, well, yeah. yeah so <laughs> they're this week's bad people. <laughs> Um, yeah, there's, there, you know, there's the villain of the week in this. In and this again, case. I'm still at the point where I don't know if these are sort of like the nemesis for the next 25 episodes or for the next five minutes. I really still have no idea. So I'm really trying to keep track of everybody as if they're important, which means when they're not, I'm getting just a little bit sad already. Oh, well, I mean, Wilton dies, so. Yeah, well, I mean, I that kind of I expected from the first time we saw him. It was like, oh, here you have my face and my legacy. I figured he was yeah. probably going to die. So, oh, that's right. And the doc, uh, that, and, and 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 the other thing that Doctor Exposition drops is the newly christened Michael Knight, maybe the only person on the planet less healthy than than Wilton is. Fantastic bedside manner, especially since the guys. I mean. Obviously, he's near death, but he's also walking around, talking. Yeah, he's walking around and I can't he's imagine that also they're... like forty-eight hours from death, apparently. Yeah, I mean, I can't imagine that there isn't someone like you know in the ICU who's in worse shape somehow in between there. But you know, okay, maybe a little bit of hyperbole. That's all right. And ranking people by closeness to death. Exactly. <laughs> that's, that's, I mean, that's really what it's all about. Is, yeah. You know, you see how close you can get. And... Yeah. The other thing I didn't really understand is we're just in this. This I don't know ivy cover, colored building right like this is not a hospital. <laughs> this is this and you know the equipment they have is mostly you know etch a sketch and oscilloscopes like we just said. So I'm really not sure if this is a secret government lab if this is just like some guys who like to mess around with surgery on cor- fresh corpses they pick up. I mean really it's very unclear. Yes. This is not this is not a modern as per the 1980s medical facility at all. It's 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 a very different series if uh, if Wilton Knight is, you know, a modern day Dr. Frankenstein just picking pieces from fresh corpses plus a, to fulfill his legacy. Right, but at that point I'm thinking it's maybe that plus a car, you know, I, I really don't know at this point. <laughs> David Hasselhoff is the most handsome Frankenstein. <laughs> Uh, along the way, we get introduced to uh, Devin, who I don't even think I don't even think we get his, his full name, which is Devin Miles. Okay. Um, That's a very very creative name. Nothing generic about it at all. No, not at all. Just, you know, vaguely British, who is working for Will Knight, and but also feels very strongly for him. See, in a more modern show, they'd be lovers or something like that. But here, it's just like, yeah, he's. My guy. I don't know. He's my guy. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's, it's almost like a, a less dysfunctional Smithers and Mr. Burns. Yeah, I can see that. Except that, you know, in this case, Mr. Burns kicks it like 10 minutes after we meet him. Yeah. Also, if it were Mr. Burns, he'd probably try to transplant his brain into Michael Knight. But that's a whole separate issue and a whole separate series. So we're introduced to Kit, the, the Knight Industries 2000, which from the outside... Just happens to exactly resemble. Wait a, wait a minute, I have Michael's to go back in. Knight Industries and the TT is two and thousand. Yes. Okay. Two thousand isn't a number. It's like the word two and the word thousand correct. for the acronym. That's that's correct. And this two thousand is it related to like us thinking ahead to like Y two K or whatever? Is it just a number? What is it like? Did they make a whole like? large number of prototypes before this. <laughs> yeah, there was, you know, the one through uh, 1,999 just really didn't pan out. But 2,000, they got it right. So how would you pronounce that for Night Industries 1,999? K-I-O-N... 
That's a terrible yeah. name. Um, <laughs> they didn't stop there. Okay. Um, yeah, so they just, you know, they wanted to keep going. Uh, no, I, I fully suspect it was just, you know, hey, 2000 sounds cool because it sounds like the future. Back in the 80s and 90s, you know, there was a whole market on, you know, slap slap 2000 on something and make it, it makes it sound awesome. It kind of was a thing. That's true. Oh, it totally was a thing. Yeah, okay. I remember when I was watching this, um, and I, I paid extra close attention to it this time, I was never 100% sure that Kit wasn't somehow made out of Michael's car. Like, they basically took the box, took his, took Michael's body and remade him, and then also took his car and put in all these crazy electronics and, and bulletproof whatever. Um, but apparently it's just a coincidence. We never actually find out, I think, what happens to Michael's old car. See, that's the thing. I assumed that, too, partially because there'd be a nice parallelism and partially because, you know, what a coincidence it would be that he's driving a black Trans Am and then, oh, here's the thing. Well, this is clearly, uh, you know, why they were stalking him for however long, just waiting for him to get shot in the face so they could soon swoop in. Yeah, I mean, I don't know how common this was as a car. I mean, was this sort of a rare <laughs> car? Or like, you know, with the equivalent of having like a Toyota Camry right now. You know, I'm really not sure <laughs> where we are in the range of yeah. the, the Trans Am's popularity at that point. At multiple points throughout the episode, Devin reiterates, and Wilton even says, that basically he picked Michael for this. How long do you think they were, like, stalking this guy? Until he got in the sh- shot in the face. I mean, obviously they weren't quite finished yet because they had the bit with, like, oh, hurry it up, hurry up. So maybe they were going to pick him up in two weeks even if he hadn't gotten shot in the face. And they just sort of, <laughs> they had to rush it a little bit because they yeah. were close to finish but not finished when they got, maybe they were just going to, like, you know, bring him on the phone and be like, hey, dude, we got an offer for you. Here's a cool car. I, I don't know. So anyway, Michael is introduced to Kit, although... Well, Michael's introduced to the car. He hasn't, at this point, been introduced to Kit. They give him, like, a sledgehammer that, like, here smashed this car. Well, yeah, they, you know, they introduce the, the whole, you know, molecular bonded shell. It's not metal. It's not fiberglass. Um, so what is it? It's a, it's a molecular bonded shell. I don't, it's bonded ne- to? It's never actually explained. I'm serious. <laughs> I, I, I remember these things. I mean, we did have some material science in the 80s, right? I mean, did they do research for this kind of thing? Because like, I know now you like you would watch something like Breaking Bad. They do a lot of research to make sure like their chemistry makes sense and all things. Did they do that in the eighties or not? Uh, no. Okay. Like I said, lots of cocaine, lots of cocaine <laughs> I mean, that being said, it's you know it's not like Law and Order these days is particularly great but about they, the, the process of the criminal justice. True, but they they say they try. They hire people at least. Uh, so yes, we're mallet about, to the car. So so you know Michael touches the. Hood and says, yeah. it feels like baby skin, which... Did he actually say it feels like baby skin? Yes, I missed did. that line. No, I That's remember it. That's super creepy. Yo. Wow. <laughs> single dude, early mid-twenties. And really single. Like, skin. he doesn't wake up, like, worried about, like, a girlfriend or a, a buddy. He really is a solo kind of guy, except for this uh, partner who just got killed. Yeah, it was just him and Muncie, and then, you know, Muncie got shot, and it's time to move on. Except for the whole revenge thing. Which... Seems to be revenge for shooting him in the face, not so much for killing his partner. So, you know, there's priorities, I guess. I mean, and his face looked better, frankly. <laughs> it's kind of an upgrade. Uh, I, I, I wonder, like, the guy who played Michael Long, like, did he ever, like, watch the show and be like, I could have made so much money if I'd gotten that part. And they, they 
gave me the shit part in the beginning of the series and blew my face off. I mean, can you imagine, like, your whole sort of, you know, legacy in media being, like, the guy who wasn't as attractive as David Hasselhoff? Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Maybe that guy went on to do a lot of things. I have no idea. We've intentionally <laughs> not looked any of this up. But uh. Uh, maybe, maybe he was, uh, maybe, maybe he was David Hasselhoff's stand-in. Yeah, maybe Spider-Man. he was the stunt guy. I don't even know. Could be. Research is overrated. So Devin and Michael get in, you know, Michael says the, the interior of the car looks like Darth Vader's bathroom. Yeah, I love that, because that's, that's a very contemporary reference at that point. Yeah, this was, I think, like, what, 82? Yeah. Devin gives all this talk about the safety features, and, and, and essentially, you know, blah, 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 it's a self-driving car. Michael swears up and down, he doesn't need an automatic, he doesn't need a car that drives itself, he can drive just fine on his own. Uh, and immediately plows it through a warehouse wall. That door looks very much like paper. It really does. The, the, the special effect is not that good. You know, they put all the budget into Kit and David uh, David Hasselhoff's hair care products, and, and and probably honestly licensing the music that they use. I mean, they they you know when it's um, you know the jukebox at a bar or you know Michael's driving listening to the radio, they're using like real contemporary songs of that era. There's like the Eagles. Uh, Hardened My Heart is by, like, what, Quarter Flash? Like, you know, there's two yeah. that, like, you recognize. Right, and they made pretty good calls, too. Like, I recognized a lot of that stuff, and they were calling, like, what was going to... Basically what I would recognize here years and years later. They made pretty good calls. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't, In like... In terms of what, what was, you know, going to have some lasting value yeah. for people. I mean, um, at, least for, at least for the pilot. I recall there being more forgettable music later in the series, but... Yeah, Michael and Kit have their first, uh, you know, their first road trip to to Milston, and he's staking out this this company. It's a, it's a tech company, and the name of the company is it's Comtron. <laughs> and I'm <laughs> Julia. Listen to how hard I laughed when I just saw this sign. <laughs> like you know, you make a book, make a book name for a tech company. Uh, Comtron. Okay. Yeah, this is you know, it looks like a. Cross between, like, I don't know, a cheesy storefront and a radio shack. I don't know what's going on Yeah, there. pretty much. And it's it's also across the street from uh, from a tiki bar. And at this point, we're introduced to, like, a, I don't know, C-plot, D-plot. This happens, I, I, I don't know if it's every episode, but it's a damn lot of them. So these two car thieves pull up. Um, one's black, one's Hispanic. And the Hispanic guy... Oh, and they're playing, like, this, like, jivey music. Yeah, yeah, that's their background music. Uh, the Hispanic guy says something in Spanish about how gorgeous the car is that ends. You know, that's how tough even even visually, especially compared to the fact that we've seen um, exactly one other non-white person in the episode so far was in the white coveralls. Yeah, R.I.P. Muncie. And now we're seeing seeing a, a, a black man and a Hispanic man with a hat and a large mustache <laughs> coming in. Just visually, it's ex- it's so racist. And it's also the comedy relief plot. Yeah, exactly. So. Um, and they're car thieves, and they're like, oh, we're totally going to try to lift this car. It's broad daylight, and everybody's, everybody's around, etc. So they decide they're going to come back later. And this plot comes back later, but we'll get there. So right now, I'm really hoping that these aren't, like, long-term series recurring characters. Because, again, I don't know. No, they're not. Well, they're not recurring outside of this episode. <laughs> right, they, they did recur in this episode. And I was a little worried that the sort of, these sort of kooky guys chasing the car was going to be longer than this episode. Because it's so offensive. <laughs> it's, it's, it's 
It's not good. Um, this is not the last we see of these completely random comic relief plots that get thrown in the middle of an episode. Um, Are they all that racist? Uh, no, some of them involve animals. Okay. Uh, so Michael meets uh, Maggie, who is a waitress at the, at the tiki bar across the street from Comtron, and starts asking about Tanya Walker, who's the one who shot him in the face and is also, you know, apparently like the ringleader of this criminal whatever. And also works at Comtron, I guess. Yeah, she's like the... the. Well, at this point, I guess he doesn't know what she does at Comtron. Or maybe he does know what she does at Comtron. I'm, I'm unclear. I don't, I don't, I don't think it. so. But he knows she's there somehow. Yeah. Or at least he thinks he, she is. So he mentions uh, he mentions Tanya's name to Maggie, and she immediately dumps a drink in his lap, and then basically says, "You know, any friend of Tanya's is no friend of mine," or something like that. And so Michael's like, "All right, fine," you know, wipes his pants off and leaves. And we find out later that uh, the reason that Maggie hates Tanya is that Maggie's husband used to be head of security for Comtron. And then all sorts of things started changing. They fired her husband and all this other stuff. Oh, no, they didn't fire him. They put like a hit on him. I thought they fired him first. I thought she said they didn't fire him. They just did the other thing. He just didn't come home after drinking. Just all right, well, him. he ends up dead. Yeah. He, he ends up, you know, dead in a gully. And they managed to cover it all up because they own the cops. And so she absolutely can't stand Tanya Walker, can't stand Comtron. Although she gets a job working literally across the street from Comtron because apparently... That one company and a bar are the only two companies in Silicon Valley. <laughs> How do they end up back at Maggie's place? She just saw him still in the parking lot, was still pissed at him. She just got fired from the whole situation. So she's like, move your car. I'm going to run into it. And then she does. And she except she it. messes her car up and then she needs a ride. Oh, that's right. And then uh, Michael offers to drive her home. And she says, well, aren't you some kind of David Niven? Which, wow, what the hell does that mean? I don't remember. What would Na David Niven be being known for right now I, in this context? I, I, I mean, I know we, we failed to look things up on purpose. Yeah, I mean, you presumably remember more of that era than I do. <laughs> I don't know. Was David Niven known for being a, being very gentlemanly? I don't know. We, uh, may, we, may, we may have to actually look this one up and get back to people on this. Uh, or just have people yell at us in the comments. Oh, that would be, you guys can tell us. That'll work. So yeah, David Niven and Darth Vader. Look at the breadth of cultural references that Knight Rider brings in just the first episode. I mean, Vicky, you understand why this is this is such a core series for uh, for sci-fi. Yeah, Darth Vader, David Niven, David Niven, casual racism. Yeah, I mean, what else and do you car. need? And what a else? Car. Yeah, and a car that jumps. I mean, frankly, casual racism in a jumping car, you know, I mean, that's what basically what the Dukes of Hazard was. You know, you didn't even need the, the, the cultural references. In fact, I will go so far as to say that Knight Rider is the thinking man's Dukes of Hazard. Eventually, Michael explains sort of, you know, I want to help you figure out what's going on and expose it and blah, blah, blah. So uh, Maggie casually mentions that there is a charity demolition derby. <laughs> Which apparently her kid somehow found out about and was very into. Yeah, I mean that I kind of that I'm frankly willing to accept because like, yeah, I guess if you go to school in the area and that's like at least a good chunk of the parents are presumably working for the one company that is in. Yeah, town. well, I mean, also it's like you know you tell a kid like, hey, especially a boy in the '80s, and it's like, oh yeah, you, you know, you want to come watch a bunch of cars get smashed up? I mean, come on, that's 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 the wholesome, clean entertainment. Yeah, that's fair. So there's a demolition derby that's put on by Comtron for charity. 
Comtron provides the drivers, but the winner gets a trophy and $5,000. Right. And the entry fee is your car. Because that's what they told him that that the amount that that there wasn't an entry fee except that you were donating the car to do this. Oh yeah, that's right. And all the cars in the in the demolition derby are brand new cars because it's Silicon Valley and why the hell not? Right now, I don't know, Julia. You you grew up probably in a more sort of upstate, closer to rural era than than I did. Although I did live somewhere for. Have you ever been to a demolition derby? I definitely saw a lot of commercials growing up for like the monster truck events and and truckosaurus. But you never actually went to them. No, I went once to a demolition derby. This is in, uh, well, I was living in Ithaca, New York, but it was out in one of the uh, (laughs) small towns outside of Ithaca, New York. Was it just like a bunch of Priuses driving around? In Ithaca. No, it was out in, I can't remember the name of the town. I'd have to figure it out, but it was one of the further out towns. But for some reason, all the people who worked for the company I worked for, we went together to see this because the friend of one of them, he was the driver for one of the cars. Oh. In this version of a demolition derby, they were more or less doing laps with like dirty driving in in this Night Rider show. But really, demolition derby, they were really more like going head to head. I guess that would have been that would have been over in like five seconds as everybody smashes up against Kit. Yeah, basically. I guess I, honestly, I was kind of expecting that. <laughs> yeah. So Maggie and and Buddy come with Michael, and Michael promises them shoe tickets and owner's row because he's he's signed up as an independent driver, which I have no idea why they accepted that. It's it's always drivers they provide. Right. Which who apparently are just also like you know the the muscle for. Comtron. Yeah, they're also yeah they're also like the truck drivers slash security guys slash muscle thugs. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, Michael goes back to present the the tickets to Maggie and Buddy, and notices that uh, Buddy's not there. And you can tell this is something in the eighties because nobody seems really that upset about it. Yeah, Maggie's like, oh, I haven't seen Buddy in a while. He's like, oh, he'll turn up. That's it. Yeah. Uh, but he decided he didn't want to watch, even from owner's row. Uh, he wanted to watch from inside kit. So he's not, he stowed away in the backseat. Pops up after the race. The uh, I'm sorry, not race. The demolition derby uh, starts. You know, Michael's basically, he definitely seemed uh, upset by the fact that Buddy was there, but more or less just said, you know, sit down and like strap in and you'll be fine. So we find out that, uh, you know, again, every button in kit makes a touchtone noise when you press it. Yeah, Buddy's pressing all the buttons. buttons. As, I mean, as you do. You know, one of them... And Michael's all like, no, stop pressing the buttons. Yeah. But not really, because he really, I think he really wants to know what kit can do, too. Yeah, I mean, also he's driving. He hits one button and there's an oil slick, and he hits another button and there's a smoke screen. And actually, given that later in the series, there's the whole thing of Flag Mobile Headquarters where kit drives up in the back of the semi... I wonder how much else of Spy Hunter they ripped off for this show. (laughs) (laughs) So, so Michael wins and says he's going to donate the $5,000 to charity. Michael had arranged to meet with Tanya at this bar. The only bar in town. The The bar, basically. Yeah, Yeah. the only place in town that people work that isn't Hometron. Tanya's not there. She sent the goons. And the goons are ready to, to, you know... Knock his, knock his lights, knock Michael's lights out. He says, yeah, I gotta warn you, I'm very highly trained in martial arts. So I'm sitting here, I'm, I'm like hoping for like a, you know, a couple of Jackie Chan moments or something, but 
No, it's just maybe a couple punches and then just like people flying out the door. Yeah, it's, like mostly, literally, it's mostly it's literally just, no fight work at all. Yeah, you see stunt guys like throwing themselves out of windows and out of doors, and that's it. Yeah, there's like literally no no fight scene, including the main character in the slightest around this fight scene. Yeah, but I mean, this is obviously you know meant to show that that Michael is is just as super as Kit yeah, in his and, own way, and by knowing martial arts. But I swear it was just punches. Yeah. But he knows martial arts because um, he was in Nam. Yeah. So Michael gets arrested along with some of the drivers and uh, the bad guys show up and tow away Kit. Why does Kit not let uh, I mean, it's not like it's not like Kit learns, you know, is like, you know, going to hang out on the inside and learn uh, inside information. Yeah, I'm still unclear on so like Kit's ethical choices and decision making because there's several points in the show as well where Kit is insisting that if Michael doesn't want things to go on auto that he's not allowed to swap it over to auto as long as he's as long as he's conscious and as in the driver's seat conscious in the driver, but but he does like when there's a problem where shit's gonna go down he just does it anyway even when Michael's conscious I'm pretty sure yeah, I mean, there's a couple edge cases, I think. Yeah, so, so it's like, if you're conscious, you get to make the decisions. Unless you're going to make a bad one, then I'm on it. Yeah, pretty much. Which, you know, for preser- you know, self-preservation technique, that's probably actually okay. But I'm still confused about the sort of not taking over when you want, unless you're given permission, except if you've decided it's bad enough. Yeah, so Michael's, Michael's in jail. Kit's impounded at the with the bad guys. So then Kit busts himself out of... Uh, out of Comtron jail or whatever, and then drives through the wall of the jailhouse, which I guess, I, at least I hope, that, that Michael's cell, that the wall was an outside wall. Otherwise, Kit crashed through multiple walls to get there, and possibly people. <laughs> also, I guess those weren't load-bearing walls. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this was very. This felt. This bit felt very like Kool Aid Man like to me. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh, I mean, I guess that always happens, but for some reason, this one particularly sort of like, ta-da! Oh yeah, I'm here. You know, yeah, because you know you see Kit speeding towards the wall, and then you cut to Michael just kind of lying on his his prison bunk. You hear the engine noise. <laughs> so yeah, I can see the, I can see the the, the Kool Aid Man. Uh, Analog. It's very. I guess. See, I, another cultural reference to throwing in. That one is very of the time. Yeah, I think so. So Michael escapes and decides he's going to go back to Comtron to confront Tanya and, and Charles. Charles. We decided his name was Charles. Yeah. Whether or not it actually is. <laughs> he looks like conceptually he's Charles. Yes. 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 He's, he's got the, the the gestalt of a Charles. Apologies to any of you named Charles. So Tanya sneaks into. You know, and again, like if she's a high placed person at this office, I don't know why this had to happen in the middle of the night. She basically transfers to quote microfilm, although it's very clearly a five and a quarter floppy. Yeah, she says she has the access code for the top thing. Um, Very big on having an access code. Yes, well, it's very important to have access codes, otherwise you won't have access. Yeah, I mean, it is password one. (laughs) But the P is capitalized. That makes it secure. So Michael shows up and confronts Tanya. And at this point, uh, obviously the bad guys know that Michael's escaped. He's got the car, etc. And give the give all the security guards orders of shoot to kill. One of them busts in. Michael shoots at the guard and misses. 
apparently his martial arts training, his cop training, and his time in the army did not teach him how to shoot a gun properly. He was at pretty close range. Yeah, and it's not like the guy was in cover or, like, dodging. He was just standing there. Right, and it wasn't that he, like, you know, was trying to be compassionate so he didn't shoot to kill. He shot his arm or something. He didn't. He just missed No, he just missed. Yeah. Uh, and the security guard, he shoots him in, uh, in Schrodinger's shoulder um, because uh, it switches sides a couple times. Yeah, the, it did. Throughout didn't the, it? Yeah. Uh, the, the ensuing scenes. It becomes this sort of race to the airport where, you know, Tanya and Charles and, and the other people are going to get away. But Michael and Kate are going to stop them, except he's basically bleeding out. Kit tells Michael his vitals are stable about 10 seconds before he then tells Devin in front of Michael that his, his vitals are deteriorating rapidly. Right. And for some reason in the part where Kit was saying that his vitals were stable, there was a little screen that popped up showing like some vitals yeah. that looked okay. So was that a lie too? Or was it just an abrupt situation? Or was Kit overestimating the problem so as to uh, make sure that we got some help? Or You know, I guess Kit probably uh, extrapolated that if Michael could get shot point blank in the face and be fine four days later, that um, if he just got sort of shot in the shoulder, that, you know, he, he'd walk it off. Also, how is Kit measuring his vitals? Like, through his butt? Well, I mean, he has the watch. Are you saying the watch is, is paired to Kit? Well, okay. So, I, you haven't, so you haven't seen this yet. The watch uh, is used as a comm link between Michael and Kit. And frankly, with smartwatches these days having all sorts of fitness sensors in them, it actually kind of makes perfect sense. Okay, I totally didn't notice the watch thing. That, that, okay. Yeah, they, 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 Michael doesn't use it to talk to Kit in this episode. Okay, I mean, you can get a certain level of people's vitals from there, but... In the meantime, Charles has, is ordering all the drivers slash security people slash thugs uh, who are driving Comtron semi-trucks to... Uh, block Delivering them. who knows what product they make routinely. One of them parks across the entire road, figuring he's going to block Michael that way. And this is the first time we see Kit jump through something. And it's the side of the semi-truck. Uh, and they're like, oh my god, I can't believe you did that! You have to say that one that one trucker had a very good surprise face. Oh yeah. I, I enjoyed that surprised face. Yeah, the, 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 the character actors who were playing... Uh, some of these drivers were pretty good. Then cut to this other truck driver who's like chomping on a cigar as Charles says, $15,000 to the driver that can stop night. And, and the driver, I mean, I, I presume there are other drivers, but this is the only one that responds. Um, you know, gets on the CB and says, basically, $15,000 isn't worth anything if you're dead, yeah. basically. Um, at which point Charles raises it to $25,000 and the driver's like, okay, fine. Because that's worth more when you're dead. Yeah. 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 Well, it's it's that whole death tax thing. It eats the first $15,000 of, of your net worth once you die. And so if you can make it above that, then when you die, the rest is just tax-free. They have that in the 80s? The, sure. I don't believe it. It's you. very futuristic. All right. In, in, the, in, the, in the future, from the point of view of the 80s, we had $15,000 death tax. Sure. Adjusted for inflation. Yes. Okay. Thanks, Julia. <laughs> um, and 
So this driver apparently decides he's going to uh, basically drive into Kit head-on, um, which apparently there's nobody else on the highway. And, you know, there's... I mean, also, how the hell... It, it, the air, You see a sign that says Milston Airport. So the airport is in town, but it still takes them like 10 minutes at, you know, and again, you see Kit's speedometer going like, you know, 120, 130. Where the hell is this airport that's in town, but somehow like, you know, a couple hundred miles away? The Halston Silicon Valley Airport. Yeah. Um, you know. Where apparently they're private Airplanes just hanging about. There's not doesn't seem to be any commercial flights. Yeah, I mean, not in Silicon Valley. It's all it's all private jets. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, that may, for all I know, that's <laughs> that may be true. We look it up. Um, this could be real for all. Yeah. I know. I know. <laughs> in Charles's defense, he does say, "You just jump out at the last second. which is, you know, I mean, if it's a high speed collision, it's certainly better than, I guess. Staying in the cab if you if you jump free at the last second, so it's you know there's there's something to it. Glad to hear he cares about his guys. At least that one. Yeah. Oh yeah. And so, so by the way, all through this, Charles is in a helicopter, like apparently chasing Kit with a spotlight and stuff. Yeah, the Comtron folks, besides having a lot of trucks, have a helicopter. I guess. I mean, it was marked like Comtron. But anyway, so you know, it's this big showdown between Kit and the semi. And Kit turbo boosts over the entire length of the semi. Uh, doesn't doesn't hit it at all, which means then Kit could have jumped easily over the truck that was parked horizontally, but just... We had to show off the turbo boost. They get to the airport, and everybody's already in the plane, and then uh, they drive under one of the wings, which makes the engine explode, I guess. And so they then get out of the, the plane and run away from the plane as it explodes, as Michael and Kit pull up to, I guess, citizens arrest them, since they're not actually law enforcement. Uh, also, Michael has pretty much uh, just about passed out from blood loss at this point. The, the bad guys figure that, well, you know, they've ruined everything, but if they can just, if they can just get rid of this guy, everything's fine. Because um, obviously the self-driving car is of no threat once Michael's dead. But... Anyway, uh, at some point, I think it. I think this is actually this came up when uh, Tanya and Michael confronted each other in the, the office building. Michael confesses to having been Michael Long and that she shot him in the face, etc. She goes up to the driver's side window and goes to shoot. And for some reason, he screams, "No, Tanya, don't!" Despite the fact that going after her is like the whole reason he's doing any of this. But he's sensitive to the whole shooting in the face thing. Maybe he thought that was too much. I guess. She shoots the window and the bullet ricochets back and hits her in the shoulder, which, as we have learned, is fatal, except when you're the hero. But Kit drives off because he's got to get Michael to the hospital. And then we see Michael's fine. And then uh, has this final conversation with Devin where Kit is getting towed because apparently... Michael managed to dent Kit. I guess maybe hitting that airplane engine was too much. Also, somehow a dent means that he has to get towed. <laughs> Basically, Devin gives this stirring speech about pretty much gives his pitch for whether yeah, you know, you know whether yeah. Michael Knight wants to actually like do this long term. So that's the first episode of Knight Rider. 
This is now... You have now seen one episode of Knight Rider. Uh, this was a long episode, though. This was like well, a double-length double episode. episode thing. It, was, it was the premiere. You know, these things... This, this happens. Um, so... What did you think? Definitely very 80s. And David Hasselhoff was young. Yeah. I was a young David Hasselhoff. I was thinking uh, my head was a somewhat older one. And what hit me, um, I think it wasn't, you know, I'm assuming it's mostly just tied to this episode, but the whole sort of like, you know, how computers work stuff, um, you know, having probably experienced people who had sort of more familiarity with what was actually going on in tech at that period to a certain degree, you know, had a, you know, Sinclair computer and et cetera. This looked very low tech for the high tech. Very impressionistic, um, more than I thought it was going to be. Um, and that kind of surprised me. I'm curious about the Maggie and Buddy thing. They're going to leave Silicon Valley and do something else now, right? So are they ongoing characters, or was that like a one-shot where I, he's going to have like a lady in every location? I feel like they come back at some point. but So my memories of Knight Rider are having watched the same episodes or the same parts of episodes. We recorded it on the, the trusty uh, VHS deck, and I would watch those over and over again. So the fact that I think they come back may just be a remnant of me having seen the second part of this, like the second half or so of this episode multiple times. Did you like the episode? I had fun watching it. I'm not sure if we weren't doing it that this this podcast that I'd be inspired to watch anymore right now, but I'm trusting you because I love you. <laughs> That's a terrible reason, but um, I'm I'm gonna take it. But I certainly had had fun. Um, there was a lot that was that was fun there. Um, I'm enjoying the introduction to the car. I am dubious about how much more there is to keep interest after the initial sort of seeing Kit's bag of tricks, which I assume we have at least seen a good chunk of, but probably not all of, mm -hmm. is my guess. Um, but we'll see. I'm willing to, to at least uh, give it a shot for a little bit longer. All right. So it sounds like we will probably have an episode two at least. Yes. Uh, How about you on a rewatch? What, what struck you as not what you had remembered? Um... I watched this episode a bunch, mostly starting from the uh, the slow motion shot where Michael Long has just been shot in the face. And that's because um, it was on VHS. It was taped off TV. And uh, something else was taped, uh, was taped over the very beginning. So I... So if I wanted to watch this episode, I had to fast forward past whatever else was on the tape and then continue fast forwarding past the static until the static cleared up enough that I could see that episode. And it started with, like I said, that slow motion shot. So I didn't remember very much about the casino, oh, the, the opening stuff at the casino. So Muncie didn't feel like an old friend is what you're saying. Yeah, no, I didn't remember Muncie at all. Mm -hmm. I... Uh, I guess I'm somewhat, I, I'm somewhat heartened in thinking back that I, I, I wasn't distressed at the time that I didn't understand what the bad guys were doing. I was just like, okay, they're the bad guys. 
that seems to pretty much be the motivation. You know, actually having watched it now as an adult and, and paying close attention. Yeah, I'm still unclear on what they were stealing from really their own company that they were at the head of. Yeah, it was... I I guess Tanya was, like, selling to external people and, like, I, Charles, I don't think, worked for Comtron. There was some other random white dude in a suit who was, like, the actual president. The one she was making out with? No, that was Charles. That was Charles. Okay. I think. But I thought it was the president of the company. I don't remember. Um, you know, know, these are very memorable characters, obviously. (laughs) Um, like you said, the origin story is kind of there because they felt like the, it seems like they felt that they needed an origin story, but not that they needed to have a good one because certainly the idea that, you know, Michael Long is a cop that gets shot and the Knight Foundation brings him back with a new identity to fight crime using kit and etc that i totally understood as a kid watching this there's not that much more to it when i watch it now as an adult <laughs> i also i'm also finding it interesting being reminded that a lot of the design of kit's interior and the buttons and whatnot definitely changes over the course of the series and there's there's so it starts to look less like darth vader's bathroom yeah it looks like Darth Vader, you know, got a good remodel after a couple of years. Okay. And I don't remember when that started, but there is sort of a canonical version of Kit in my head that is not the one we saw. Mm-hmm. The buttons that have, like, the LEDs on the outside of them as opposed to just ones that light up themselves. Do they still keep making touchdown noises? Yes. Okay. Especially Kit's voice, where it's, in this episode at least, it's just, like, a solid red block that flashes becomes more of like you know an eq mm-hmm. which that that is very canonical kit for me come on over to the podcast talk back to us if you are putting spoilers about everything in your comments please just mark them because i am trying to stay <laughs> as clean as possible so in that case julia will read your comment and i will decline to read your comment at this point if you've got something just to say about anything that we've said or about us so you have any questions then feel free to uh put those in too i'd love to see them we're on facebook uh search for kitsplaining we're on twitter at kitsplaining uh and at least for now our main home on the web is soundcloud.com slash kitsplaining thanks for listening it's not like Turn your back and let the dark side win. Come on, Michael. Open the door and jump in.